3: Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern.
4: What's up everybody? Welcome into a Monday, December 5th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube as well as of course dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder Mike McKenna, now current Daily Faceoff analyst. How you doing, Mike?
5: man I'm living here in St. Louis Missouri just listening to the tornado sirens go off because it's the first Monday of the month so I guess I should always be prepared for this at eleven am um, but that's even not in the December day. yeah well you know what this is the secondary tornado season typically it's spring but now we've had a fall one so i'm I'm kind of a weather nerd if we want to talk about that offline I'm ready for anybody to hit me up on the Twitter
4: yeah I'm not a weather nerd but uh, it's starting to get a little chilly here in good old Philadelphia and uh, that means it's Hockey season weather, so let's uh, throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's talk about this weekend. How about the Minnesota Wild? What a story they've been. Bit of a sluggish start, and since then, they've won four in a row, and they're in a spot where, hey, they're playing pretty good hockey of late, and I wonder how much of it has to do with Ryan Reeves and his addition. You heard their GM and Bill Guerin, Mike, speak about it when they made the trade for just a 2025 fifth-round pick. Uh, A couple weeks back right around Thanksgiving and the idea was Ryan Reeves is not just going to add some toughness but he's going to add a bit of swagger and energy that this team so desperately needs he's got three points in five games as a Minnesota Wild the Wild are four and one during that stretch is it just the Reeves edition, or the Wild finally turning the corner
5: as a whole Hey, Reeves makes a difference. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you should, have you heard the way he fires this team up, Frank? I think we might have a clip of it. We could play here real quick for everybody to see. It's time! Oh! from the Center in St. Paul, Minnesota,
0: it's the matchup between your Minnesota Wild and the Anaheim Ducks. Oh. Introducing first,
5: starting in the fourth position, Joel Eriksson. Oh! Oh! So tell me that doesn't get you fired up, Frank. I mean, that's Mike, it's like supposed as as it to be gets. fun.
4: This is like, isn't yeah. that the point? Like he's got the energy. It feels like with him and a lot of other players every day in the NHL is a privilege and they recognize that. And it's like, let's, let's have as much fun as we possibly can and enjoy this instead of being all tense and nervous.
5: Yeah. So you're seeing it here, but also after the game, Frank, I mean, you got Ryan Reeves eating a slice of pizza, no tarp on, and he's not the only one that's doing post-game interviews without a shirt on. Look at Jacob Middleton. Take a gander down there at the bottom right at Kalen Addison. By the way, rookie defenseman, he has been outstanding recently for the Minnesota Wild. He looks like he should be on parole right there in that picture. This is awesome. Like, that's a team that's loose and having a good time. And I found it really telling in the last game, Frank, that against Dallas, Minnesota allowed three goals in the last 12 minutes and let Dallas tie that game up. But head coach Dean Evison didn't call a timeout. He felt his team had it under control on the bench. So I think the maturity's coming. But the biggest thing for that club with me is just Kirill Kaprizov has been on a tear, Frank. 12 points. He's on a 12-game point streak. He scored in six straight. Uh, he's been really good. Joel Erickson X been also excellent for that club. So their best players are performing right now. And it looks like that team really has turned the corner on just being able to have some fun. And I have to think that Reeves was a catalyst for that.
4: Yeah, it's really interesting now back in a playoff spot for the Minnesota Wild and what's been a bit of a roller coaster season. Just goes to show you having a general manager that has played before, not only that, but had previous experience with Ryan Reeves put him and Marc-Andre Fleury back together, start to get a little bit of that energy and swagger back. And when you have a former player in in a GM who is somewhat recently removed from the game, they just have a sense of these things in the locker room as they spend time around the team on the plane that a little move like that, a 2025 fifth round pick, it's basically free 99 that they're in a spot where That's helped this team turn the corner. And so really interesting to see his energy and all that he brings. And you want to talk about energy. How about some negative energy with the New York Rangers and an absolutely dreadful weekend that they had. Uh, You know, you think back to their game against the Ottawa Senators, blowing a lead late. Um, They're in a spot where, especially after losing to the Blackhawks on Saturday, they've got just 11 wins to show for their season in 26 games, 11, 10, and 5. And it has really been tough to figure out this Rangers team that still has not quite gotten it together. And I ask you, Mike, Gerard Gallant, should the seat be hot or warm or what temperature would you put it at?
5: Well, I think it's warm for sure, because this is a club that's underperforming for what's expected for the New York Rangers. But is it just because Gerard Gallant has been steadfast in his lines? or is it because the players simply aren't motivated enough? It's really hard for a coach in today's game to be able to motivate players to get them to work. Now, I do think it's a problem when Jimmy Vesey's playing on your top line. Okay, the right side's been something of a hole for the Rangers. They haven't figured out a solution. I'd like to see Kreider take a spot on the right side and put Lafreniere further up in the lineup on the left. But when a team only gets six shots on goal in a third period against Chicago when you've had a lead previously in the game, like – what's going on here. And, you know, you keep, I've keep seeing this where, well, we didn't finish the game. Well, we didn't start the game. Well, which is it, you know, is it just blowing leads? Like this, to me, it's just a team that isn't consistent at all. And you saw Jacob Truba freak out after he got tossed out of the game last night. I mean, he, he gets in a fight after just leveling Andreas Athenasiou from the Chicago Blackhawks and Truba's coming off the ice, chucks his helmet, gives it the big WTF to his entire bench. Like, wake up here, guys. He's trying to lead. But that team has to respond, Frank. There has not been enough grit, enough intensity, enough competition from that club. And I think it starts with Artemi Panarin. He's got to be more direct and start playing the game going towards cage.
4: How much of that do you think is resting on what they accomplished last season, getting to the Final Four? You bring back a lot of the same team, um, and Mm -hmm. they're in a spot with some young players that they've asked to do some big things where instead of continuing to progress like a lot of people thought they would, you know, progression and development in this league is not a straightforward line. It's not a straight lineup, And sometimes you're going to have some of those peaks and valleys, but they're in a spot now where you look at the standings, they're 11th in the Eastern conference in terms mm-hmm. of points percentage, actually below the Montreal Canadiens, that many people thought would be in line for a draft lottery spot at this point in the season. So how do the Rangers get it together?
5: Well, it, you're right. I mean, some of that talent that you expect to take a step, whether it's Capo, Refreniere, Miller, even Philip Heedle, you know, it hasn't quite been there. How do you get past that? You outwork teams. And right now you haven't seen that. And you have to get elite goaltending. Shasturkin has looked human this year. He's been good. He hasn't been absolutely outstanding like last year. And I think he masked a lot of the defensive lapses that the Rangers had previously. Hmm.
4: Alright, I'm gonna bust out my soup ladle now and I'm gonna stir the pot a little bit. I am fascinated to get your take on what took place with Jordan Bennington over the last week. Has he struggled as a whole in net and was finally called out by Coach Craig Berube in a you know not so subtle way. I think you read this quote and then you watch the press conference and they kind of came off in two different things. It's got to stop, it sounds A little bit more harsh than he actually said it but i think craig ruby is right in that it doesn't help anything just play goal stop the puck and when that's the message that's being delivered from your coach who was a legit nhl tough guy and is still probably one of the toughest guys involved Mm -hmm. in the hockey world that type of antics the fake tough guy stuff that Jordan Binnington has been going for the last number of years whether it's flinching at guys trying to run Jordan Saul over behind the net the other night that type of stuff it just doesn't get players and coaches aren't buying into that what's the impact like in a locker room when you have a goalie that wants to talk but doesn't walk
5: well I think for a long time it was used at kind of the right times by Bennington to get his team a little fired up. And, you know, and that's him. Like, he likes to be involved. He he enjoys the physical element of the game. And and that's not to say, I mean, we haven't seen him fight. Okay, so I don't know if he can actually chuck knuckles or not. Um, but this just was a reckless play on Zucker, man. Like, you're putting your hand in a guy's face. Like, that happened to Drake Bathurston last year, and he missed half a season on the same type of play from Mirandell. And I, I think at this stage, it's just gotten to the point where everybody's probably thinking, like, all right, come on, Benner. And I think that it's really exemplified by Brube's comments. They're straight to the point. And I bet you anything that that was just the same conversation he had with Ben and saying was, hey, knock it off. And Frank, I'll tell you this. The one line that will catch a goalie's ear more than anything else is just stop the puck because you know people are frustrated with you when you hear those words, stop the puck and and i think that that's going to catch bennington here for sure and he knows like this is probably his last chance to just knock it off because this team's got to focus in st louis they've been so streaky and here they are again on a slide and to get out of that slide it starts with bennington and they need him in the crease for that
4: five straight losses for jordan bennington in net he has an 8.95 save percentage on the season and over these last five games just an 841 save percentage. So he has struggled mightily, allowing 21 goals over those last five games. And Mike, when you look at that contract, it sure seems like they really need Jordan Bennington to figure it out because I don't mm-hmm. know that they're going to have any other option.
5: Yeah, right now, I mean, Grice has been okay, but the, he's the guy. I mean, Bennington is there to be the guy. That's why Billy Huso was let, uh, they let him go this summer. So they need more from Bennington. He's had good stretches this year. He just needs to focus.
4: Yeah. So from one tough weekend for Jordan Binnington to another in Brock Besser for a totally different reason, and that is uh, he's in an interesting spot where he goes, he's likely going to be the healthy scratch, then ends up being inserted into the Canucks lineup, ends up saving the game, and then you look at basically the spot that Brock Besser is in as a whole, and I don't want to talk and dwell too much, Mike, on the situation of, you know, The tough, love, healthy scratch that uh, his coach and Bruce Boudreaux wanted to implement and ultimately couldn't. But really, big picture on Brock Besser and where he goes from here. We heard some news over the weekend that Besser's camp has been given the ability to try and find a suitor in trade talks. Usually, Mike, if that happens, that means that the team has been working hard behind the scenes already to try and find one and hasn't been able to make anything materialize. The fact that it's so public now, Does that help? And when you look at Brock Besser's season as a whole and the way that his game has trended over these last few seasons, would you be lining up to trade for Brock Besser? Or when you look at his contract two more years at 6.65 million, are you going to sit that one out?
5: That's really tough. Uh, I mean, I think if you're a team that's really desperate to try to find some scoring and you've got openings within your top six, if you have to try something, this may work. But if you're a team that needs a proven guaranteed scorer, I'm not sure it's 6.65. That's the type of player you want to go for because look at Besser, where his scoring's been, especially since he uh, has come back from injury. That was with one of his, um, I believe his wrists. You never know how a player can react to that in scoring. And he's got four goals on this year. He can still be a tank and play hard. Uh, and I think that he's fallen victim to the Vancouver syndrome of that team just being mid and poor for a lot of the season. Um, but it'd be hard pressed to go for the to Besser and think, we know what we're getting. If you're a team that's a contender, Frank, you want certainty. Um, But I just can't stand how this whole thing played out. I had a piece up on Daily Faceoff this morning that kind of chronicles my thoughts on it. You can go there and read it. But in terms of the player, Frank, I think this this isn't a sure bet if you trade for Besser. The only thing that is good about it is that there's two years left and it's not an eight-year contract if you decide to take that swing.
4: Yeah, so maybe that makes it a little bit more movable, but I'm with you in the terms of you know there is no guarantee in terms of exactly what you're getting out of brock besser four goals this season has yet to hit 30 in his career was certainly on pace to do so with his 23 goal season back in the COVID shortened year in 2021 20, uh, with the 56 game season but this is a guy that was counted on to be a rocket goal scorer and he certainly has not been that in terms of putting the complete game together a lot of people thinking he might bounce back especially after all that played out off the ice for him last year and the loss of his father and the way that he finished last season with 29 points in 42 games to close things out for the Canucks. And it just hasn't happened yet. It's been a down season for just about everyone in Vancouver. Mike, let's talk more goaltending with this week's edition of the Blue Paint. (music)
3: To find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The
1: jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
6: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
4: All right, Mike, let's talk goaltending with this week's edition of the blue paint delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Mike, when you look at Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's been unbelievable of late Uh, strung together a really nice uh, slate of games in the last couple weeks. What have you seen? Is it a change in Jari's game, or is it a change in the way the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing in front of him?
5: I think it's a combination of the two, Frank. There's no doubt in my mind that Jari's been better, Uh, but a lot of this really stems from the penalty kill of the Pittsburgh Penguins. That team was really struggling with at the start of the year, and now since mid-November, the Penguins have been up over 90% on the kill. A lot of that has to deal Deal with uh, Teddy Bluger coming back in the lineup. He's made a big difference in terms of the kill. But uh, well, for me, when I watch Jari, you know, his past five games, he's got a five zero and one record, a nine forty save percentage, a sub two goals against. And when you compare that to the first eleven, as you can see here, that's a pretty favorable number. He's allowing more than uh, one goal less per game on average. But I think Jari's just found one a better way to handle traffic. Okay. That's a skill. You have to find the puck. He's staying a little bit more upright when the puck's further away. I think he's found lanes. And I think that that's also because the team has been better. Um, but part of it too, is that he, he, he alluded a month ago that he was fighting physical issues, Frank, and you could tell that he just didn't look comfortable in his crease movements during that time. I'm not seeing that as much anymore now. So my guess is that Uh, Jari is playing much healthier than he had been previously. That's just a guess because his movements look crisper. He's finding lanes better. And ultimately the team's doing a better job in front of him, especially on the penalty kill.
4: Interesting. Yeah, Jari is a name to keep an eye on as we get closer to the end of the season as a pending unrestricted free agent, Mike, and without much in the Penguins pipeline, I would have to think that they have no choice but to re-sign a goaltender of Jari's ilk. Let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. Their crease has been in flux of late, Freddie Anderson, shocker, has been hurt again this season, and Antti Ranta has struggled at times, and that's led to Piotr Kochetkov taking over the reins in net for the Canes. And they're in a spot, they re-signed him. You were thinking that he might be one of those guys with some staying ability as he gets an extension done. All this guy has done is come in and win. What's his long-term outlook like for the Canes in net?
5: Well, it's pretty good if you ask me. Kuchetkov's on a very team-friendly deal over the next four seasons. It kicks in after this year, $2 bucks per. If he can bring anything close to what we've seen so far, that looks really good for the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's also good for the player. He's got some uh, cash in the bank here for the next couple seasons. Um, but for the Carolina Hurricanes, when you look at this year especially, what can you expect from Freddie Anderson? Will he be back? Will he be the same goalie? I don't think you can bank on that. Anti-Ranta, like you said, He's struggled a little bit this year. And, and I don't think his traditional numbers, goals against, may not show it, win-loss. But when you look at Ranta, he's had five of his nine games this year with a sub-90% save percentage, whereas Pyotr Kachetkov's only had two of those uh, in the games that he's played, and he just keeps winning. And what I love about Kochetkov is that, you know, he's technically sound like most goaltenders, uh, and he's got an athleticism to him that a lot of the Russian goalies have. But he's also got some old school in him, Frank. Like, he's not afraid to use a poke check or be able to move outside his crease and be creative. So I, I think what you're seeing here is Don Waddell wants stability in that. He said that. I don't think you're going to get that from Anderson or Ranta. Both of them are hurt way too often. kochetkov has been there, he's been available, and he's been excellent in the NHL and in the American Hockey League since coming over.
4: One of the best abilities, Mike, we say all the time is dependability and reliability. Kochetkov has provided that, and it seems like Kind of flashbacks to the way that Alex Nedeljkovic broke in with the Canes, you know, with a need there due to injury, comes in and plays really well, takes over. They they got the contract done with Kochetkov that they couldn't get done with Nedelkovich, mm-hmm. which is why he's with the Detroit Red Wings now. Let's take a look at the Colorado Avalanche and their crease. They're a team that's really struggled of late. They got throttled in Winnipeg and boston on this trip before now wrapping up their four game swing out east in philadelphia on monday night and mike when you take a look at alexander georgiev the returns early returns at least a quarter way through the season have been pretty solid is there any reason to worry though about the abs crease in general or is it just about getting a healthy team in front of them
5: healthy team's going to help and i think when you start to look down the stretch uh, the team should be fine with these two goaltenders. Georgiev uh, has a 925 on the season or 923 so far on the year. Uh, but you look at where he's been recently and even Francois, they've been off these last couple games. It's been four straight games with pretty poor goaltending for the Avalanche. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the Avalanche are beat up. But for me, I'm seeing things from Georgiev that I saw in New York you know, when he's not feeling confident, he shrinks back in his crease a little bit. He starts to chase the game. He ends up on his butt. He's outside the blue paint. Uh, that's uncommon for this season with Georgiev because he was pretty steady early. Um, and Francois even against Boston, just had a really tough go. Pasternak undressed him at one point. He dropped way early on it. Um, I, I think for me, though, Frank, really the point is Colorado's usually fine with their goaltending. They won a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper, who, who was OK in playoffs at best. Philip Grubauer. We're seeing what he's done with the Seattle crack in the last couple of years. I do think, though, that these two goalies are somewhat th- something to keep an eye on with Colorado, because if the team doesn't get healthy and Georgiev and Francois don't get it back on track, I think they're going to need goaltending more than they thought going into this year. And that's going to be the biggest test is if Georgiev can find that consistency throughout the rest of the season as a number one.
4: Yeah, they've really made their bet on Alexander Georgiev, and we'll see if it pays off for them as they chase a second straight Stanley Cup. you got to get in in order to do that, and it's been some tough sledding of late for the Colorado Avalanche. Thanks to Mike for this week's edition of the blue paint delivered by DoorDash. See the promo code there at the bottom of your screen? Game Day 25 gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order of $15 or more on the DoorDash app. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash all right mike before we get to our daily faceoff inbox question of the day just a couple news and notes to pass along the seattle kraken just announcing that they have recalled shane Wright just in time to face the montreal canadians on tuesday night which would be really interesting and juicy as well as some injury news from the florida panthers i'm told that patrick hornquist has been moved to LTIR, meaning he will miss at least 10 games or 24 days, and that means hold your tickets. If you were thinking that the Florida Panthers would be the first team to make a major trade this season, they might not have to. If they're in a spot where they're getting uh, some of their guys back, Anthony Duclair coming off of an Achilles injury, the thought process was they'd have to trade someone. Well, if Hornquist is out now, perhaps that gives them some leeway. Let's get to that daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag Ask DFO, and it comes from Ryan who says, which team do you think has the ability and is willing to be the biggest spender at the trade deadline this year? Ryan's thinking Rangers. Mike, what about you?
5: Yeah, it's funny because I think the Rangers as well. And the reason being is that they've got the capital in terms of draft picks, in terms of players, and definitely the desire to make a move, I would think, Frank. I mean, th- this is a club that has to be in playoffs. If you're Chris Drury, the GM of the Rangers, there's no other choice. Um, and for Gerard Gallant as well, the head coach. So I-, I think they've got space. They could use some help on the right side. They could use some help on D. And they've got two, tw- two first-round draft picks in 2023, two third-rounders. Seems like they could make some moves, Frank. Who do you have?
4: I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Speaking of a, a spot where they not only need to get in, but need to do something big once they get in, this entire season will be judged, and this core potentially on their playoff success or lack thereof. And if they're in a spot where you know they don't advance past the first round again, I don't know how you could possibly think to bring this group back for one more run. They've not doubled down. They've tripled down on this group which means it's a burn the boats type of year. And they're in a spot where they've got some significant needs. They've got some LTIR cap space to spend, and they've got a couple assets that they could trade, whether it's a Nick Robertson, whether it's another prospect in their system, like a Matthew Nyes, they've got draft picks, they can make something happen. And I think they need to make something happen. So thanks to that, uh, Uh, Question that was submitted for the Daily Faceoff Inbox Question of the Day. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our guy, Jeremiah, who's watching on YouTube from all the way up there in Alaska. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. Let's get to Tyler Remchuk for our Daily Faceoff Points Bet Daily Bet segment. Tyler, how are you doing, bud?
0: Hey, uh not not a terrible weekend by any stretch. Went a little heavy on the Oilers on Saturday, and that paid off as they covered the puck line and Leon Drysettle picked up two points. So looking to uh, build up some positive momentum today. So let's dig into things things courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, starting with this Oilers matchup. Once again, I've actually been pretty good betting on the Oilers so far this season, and honestly, I'm going to get a little greedy tonight and I'm going to take them on the puck line for a couple of reasons. The Oilers are one of the best home bets in the NHL last season and so far this year they've been wildly average but things are starting to turn around a little bit. They've now won three in a row on home ice tonight. They're taking on a Capitals team that has not just been average on the season but they've been brutal on the road. Just three wins in 14 road games and in the month of November they lost eight times on the road and failed to cover the puck line in five of them so they're losing a lot on the road and more often than not it's by two or more goals so i love the oilers just saw the line shift a little bit while i'm talking about it now just plus 155 on the puck line i also like the over six and a half between montreal and vancouver each of these teams have been kind of 50 50 on the over under through their last 10 games but i do like them tonight with that total spencer martin could potentially be getting another start for vancouver jake allen gave up five goals against the edmonton oilers earlier this week so i think this is one where we could see seven or more goals so i like the over there and quickly a shot prop as well jacob chikrin over three and a half shots he missed it in his last game but so far this year he's hit it in four of six frank so plus 100 for chikrin to go over three and a half shots on goals, my third play
4: the shot prop king, Tyler Yeremchuk Yeah, the Washington Capitals have really struggled 5-8-1 and one in their last 15 yep. games, dating back to around Halloween. So it's been a grind in Washington as they've dealt with injuries. Thanks to Tyler Uremchuk for our Points Bet Daily Bet segment. And that brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. What's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the NHL? We've got some juicy matchups this week, but potentially one that is really interesting tonight.
1: Yeah,
5: for sure. I mean, a couple of them, you know, St. Louis and the Rangers, that's the one to keep your eye on. But the one that I really do is Vegas Golden Knights heading into Boston to face against the Bruins. And of course, the big storyline, Bruce Cassidy, the former head coach of the Boston Bruins, now the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. You've got the Bruins who are 20-3 and three leading the NHL. you got the Vegas Golden Knights who are third league-wide right now with 37 points. Um, Frank, I had somebody ask me earlier this week, which team has more motivation here? You know, is it the Golden Knights because they want to win for their coach or is it the Boston Bruins wanting to make sure that they do not lose to their old coach when he comes into their building? I said, man, it's the Bruins for sure. Okay, like the Bruins to me are the best version of that club that I've seen in, I don't know, maybe ever, Frank. Okay, so what I've seen under Montgomery so far has been better than under Cassidy. He's opened them up a little bit. I did have to think that the Boston Bruins have more motivation in this matchup. Uh, in terms of trying to get a victory, whereas you know Cassidy has been in Vegas and done a great job so far this year, but it's only been a couple months, so really curious to see how this one plays out.
4: Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of a really weird dynamic because Cassidy has had a ton of success, but it's pretty clear watching how the Bruins players reacted since then. Jake DeBrusque was sending his trade mm-hmm. request. David Krejci coming back from Czech Republic. All those different things that happened, Patrice Bergeron coming back, it all really seemed to point back to, hey, we're really glad that we don't have Bruce Cassidy here anymore, and yet he goes to Vegas and still has been able to put that team atop the Pacific Division. So, um, yeah, I think there's certainly some drama in play as well. They'd like to probably stick it to their old coach. Uh, they'll probably exchange pleasantries, but probably not a love, lo- lot of love lost there. I wouldn't say you know, they hated the guy or they think he's a bad guy. I think they just got to a point where they felt like they were tired of him and wanted to see a change. Maybe sometimes that just runs its course. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly going to be interesting to watch and see how that all plays out on Monday night. Thanks to Mike McKenna. Thanks to Tyler Uremchuk, as well as our head of production, Alex Allard. This has been a great Monday edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. And if you like the show, hit subscribe on YouTube. We'll be back with you Tuesday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, enjoy the games tonight. and We've got a great slate coming up on Tuesday as well. Take care, everyone.